Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Voice America today to talk about gratitude is real-life hero of the Oscar-winning movie 127 Hours, the amazing Erin Ralston. Welcome, Erin. <laughs> Thanks, lady. Yeah, yeah. but be before Thank we bring you, you on, oh, I'm so happy you're here. The honor is mine, but I want to let listeners know about your backstory. So let me give your impressive bio before we get started. And for those of you that don't know, Aaron is a motivational speaker. He lives in Boulder, Colorado, and you may know him from the acclaimed film, 127 Hours, which was an adaption of his book directed by Danny Boyle, and it starred James Franco, and it was nominated for six Oscars. Actually, didn't know that. Six Oscars is very impressive. And the story is something we can talk about over the remainder of this episode. But in April of 2003, Aaron, being an experienced outdoorsman, found himself in a Utah canyon, accidentally um, crushed by a boulder that pinned his right hand. After six days of being entrapped there, he freed himself and had a miraculous rescue. Aaron has written an internationally best-selling book, Between a Rock and a Hard Place. He's spoken to hundreds of audiences around the world, and with his new prosthetic arms that he designed, Aaron returned to his outdoor passions, and this is the part of your bio I really love. He finished climbing Colorado's 59 14ers in winter solo. He skied from the summit of Denali, North America's highest mountain, and he's led a rafting expedition through the Grand Canyon. Very impressive. Welcome, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Love that. It's been a so, full life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A very full life. And you're very young still. A lot of life left. So I'm so excited to talk about the habit of gratitude with you, which you chose. So can you tell listeners why you chose gratitude from all the habits that are out there? Why this one? Yeah. And, and because I've, I've been enjoying listening to, to the program so far and, and, totally resonated with the, all of the different habits you've been talking about. It, they're all things that I, I practice and work on. Obviously, I have a passion for being outdoors and spending time in the wilderness uh, or going on, on walks and hikes, uh, doing yoga and dance. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing that, that hasn't come up where I, like, I couldn't have also done an episode about that too. Uh, <laughs> right, this right. One, yeah, this one I really wanted to focus on because it, and it's, it's moving beyond just the, like you've already talked about some of the, like the daily gratitude practice that you can have that, that can help boost your, your mindset. They can, uh, you know, shift you um, when maybe, maybe you're having just kind of a, a, a difficult time and, and to remember those, those other things in life that you're, that you're grateful for, the good things. Um, but what I want to focus on is about how to cultivate gratitude for the hard things, the, the boulders, uh, as I make this metaphor. And it's, it's about um, shifting our, um, our, our, our framework around adversity uh, rather than something that we regret or that we wish weren't happening to us, that uh, when the challenges and crises of life do arise, uh, that, we, that we meet them. 
uh, as, as best we can with compassion and with kindness, of course, and, and, and maybe even gratitude to, to be grateful that these boulders have come to us because of what they can give us, of how they can help us, uh, that they move us along the, the continuum of our, of our journey towards the, the, the human being that we are here to become. And, and so it's, it's oftentimes very difficult to get to that it, right off the bat when our world turns upside down. Uh, you know, that there are untold variety of, of boulders that, that, you know, from, from the small ones uh, when you know, we're, we're miss a plane flight or that we're, we're late for work or that there's any, any of those little, the little kind of like mini ones, uh, so to speak, all the way up to the big stuff. I mean, whether it's divorce, uh, dealing with mental health issues, you know, I've, I've been through depression, uh, custody battles with my kids, uh, the, the struggles of, um, of, of disease and death that, that of course await us all dad died from pancreatic cancer a couple of years ago. And that all of these things are around us. And, and, you know, and we're all, it, I just heard survey results uh, about how the pandemic has, has truly been a, a universal experience in terms of health issues, and financial issues. And, and so you know, there's no shortage of these, these boulders in our lives. What are we going to do? with them? And as long as they're going to be there, we can't avoid them all the time, uh, and a lot of times we can't we can't change the fact that they've happened. So what remains is for us to change ourselves. Uh, and my thesis here is uh, something my dad actually shared with with me uh, many times over uh, my adolescence uh, when when something difficult would happen uh, that we don't get to control what happens to us, Aaron, but we do get to control how we respond. Yeah. Can I just repeat that for listeners? So your dad said, we can't control what happens to us, but we do get to control how we respond. And could you tell us a little bit more about how gratitude helps us with those responses? Yeah, it it starts with the choice. So the choice of what are we going to do with the boulders? Uh, That again, we can can blame, we can focus on wishing that they weren't happening, uh, that of course, a lot of that's just spinning wheels and wasting energy and resources. Embracing them, welcoming them, being grateful for those boulders. That that's that's the end goal because that's where once once we've we've grown, uh, then we have the power to be able to use the boulders, uh, the lessons, the gifts that they've given us in order to help others. And I don't know that there can be a higher calling in our lives than to take. The, the gifts that we have been given, even as, as hard as they sometimes are, in order to, to be there for someone else who's also been through a difficult time. Yeah. Uh, so the, the process, of course, is, is where you, you know, the rubber hits the road. <laughs> so that how do you turn your boulder into a blessing? And, uh, and it's, it's a mental work. And it's, 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 it's the, the I'm pointing to my brain. <laughs> yeah. My and so you know, how it's the work we do up here. But Aaron, can you tell listeners, how in the world they would move their hardest boulders into, you know, from tragedy to triumph? How can we feel grateful for our boulders? And maybe um, a way you could could explain this to us, if possible, is giving us a real life story from you, maybe from being trapped in the canyon. 
Exactly. And that's, that's where I, I, I want to take people through a little bit of that for, because it, it, it was the most powerful example of this choice that we get to have. Uh, that I believe gratitude is is a choice, especially when it comes to the greatest adversities that are there in our lives. Uh, so to you know, just briefly go over what happened, I was out on this canyoneering hike in, in April of 2003, about 18 and a half years ago. I dislodged a big rock that's about 800 pounds. Uh, I've been falling into the bottom of the canyon. I try to protect my head, but my hand, my right hand becomes ensnared to, in the this almost miniature gap between the boulder and the canyon wall as it comes to rest right in front of my chest. I end up spending uh, obviously days and days and days there going through all of my efforts to both uh, survive as well as to get myself out. Uh, I'm trying to carve through the boulder, trying to lift the rock with climbing gear that I've, I've rigged up, uh, that I'm, I'm waiting for a hopeful rescue that might come, but I have no idea whether anybody's going to find me in time. Uh, limited water and food that I've run out of. I'm left by the fourth day drinking my own urine, uh, which is a great <laughs> a, a great example of like really what constitutes a bad day when you think you're, you're having a hard go at it. Like, remember you talk that. about gratitude. <laughs> yeah, at least you didn't have to drink your own urine today. Ex- exactly. <laughs> but tell us, but, so a couple quick, quick questions for those listeners who may not have seen the movie. How did you dislodge mm-hmm. the boulder? How did an 800-pound boulder find its way on top of you? Yeah, I was, I was maneuvering down through the bottom of the canyon, uh, and there are places, because I'm, I'm following the direction of, of what the, the stream course would be rather than climbing up the canyon. So I, I come to a place where debris has been lodged between the walls at my feet. There's multiple boulders, uh, chalk stones, as they're called, stuck between the walls. And it's a, it's a typical kind of down climbing maneuver where I, I first kicked at the rock to make sure it was going to hold my weight and wouldn't trap door from underneath me. Because even a, even a sprained ankle out in the middle of the desert, I'm 60 miles in any direction from pavement or electricity or running water or cell coverage. Uh, this remote wilderness that uh, I'm being very deliberate and, and I, I get to where I'm dangling from the rock. So if, if you could imagine like if I had the capacity to slam dunk a basketball and I'm hanging from the rim, Oh my it's gosh. Just a scenario like that. And then all of a sudden the rim breaks. You know, I, I pulled the boulder loose as I'm hanging from it. So, and it's, this is in a space that's just barely as wide as my shoulders. Uh, this, this boulder is about the size of a bus tire. And I, I dislodged, I pulled it loose from where it had been wedged for potentially eons. Uh, and as I'm falling and it falls with me, I'm underneath it. So I land and just have this split second for my instincts to kick in to protect my head. And that's how I end up exposing my arms up above me. And I got my torso and my head out of the way. But with my, my arm exposed, that's how I became trapped. Wow. So you uh, fell into the canyon with the boulder with you. Right. As, we were both yeah. falling simultaneously. Right. And, 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 that's even and more that's, incredible that you <laughs> didn't land on your head. Uh, yeah. Or that it, uh, yeah, I, I effectively was uninjured aside from the fact that my arm was trapped. Now that, that did come to play uh, later on. And, and I guess to pick back up as we're 80, 90 hours, 100 hours into this, uh, that while I was more and more exhausted, dehydrated, uh, that I wasn't able to sleep for all those days, I was out of food, I was losing about seven pounds per 24 hours. And I weighed about 160 pounds when I walked into to the canyon. 
so the idea along the way had, had always been there that I might be able to amputate my arm in order to get free. I, at first, I, I resisted that. I didn't want to. And by the, by the end, by the fifth night, when I knew I was going to die there, and I even etched my epitaph into the wall of the canyon, um, but I had this vision of a little boy. And this, as it turned out, in this premonition, kind of the first half of a deja vu, as it, it was this interaction with a future son that someday I, I understood from this experience there, this very metaphysical out-of-body experience of meeting him, uh, and that I was going to get through this. I was going to, to somehow get out of that canyon. Uh, this morning of the sixth day then, just a few hours after I had that vision and this interaction with this little boy uh, holding him and, and his brilliant blue eyes just beaming like, Daddy, let's yeah. And it, it, it touched me and showed me, and, and this is an aside to, to talking about gratitude, but I think it's a great lesson uh, that what that boulder gave me was the understanding of what was truly important in my life, that it was about the relationships. Uh, while I was trapped, uh, not only that I saw the vision of this future child who would come to be, he's my, my son now, 11 years old, uh, and I also have a daughter uh, who's eight years old, that... Uh, that it was a video camera that I had with me that I held up in front of me. And to say my goodbyes, I recorded myself talking to my parents, my sister, my extended family, my chosen family, all of my, my best friends. And what happened is I would talk into that camera uh, saying, I love you. I'm sorry. Thank you. And that gratitude for who these people were and what they had contributed in my life, the interactions we had had, the vacations, the concerts, the climbs that we've been on, all of this put together. And I was smiling. I was standing in my grave in the bottom of that canyon, looking into this video camera, and I was smiling into it. Because even in the moments of my deepest and darkest despair and isolation, I was able to connect in love with the people who were most important to me. And as people might imagine, if your listeners might, might, might put themselves in a place where they're, they're in their graves and it's time for them to say goodbye, to think about what they would say and who they would say it to is to put themselves in touch with the source of their deepest motivations, the, the, the source of their greatest courage, the, their, their strongest <laughs> strengths and, and all of the determination and grit that we anyone might have to possibly muster in your life. It comes from our relationships. And my, my experience was that even though I would hit bottom feeling so despairing and, and depressed that I was going to die and that I, I would, and it was all my fault that, that I would never be able to see any of these people again, but to tell them, thank you for, again, you know, like the family vacations to the national parks that my parents took my sister and me on together. The, just the forbearance that my sister displayed over her life for such an obnoxious older brother as I often was. The, 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 yeah, all these, these moments when my friends had been there for me in, in hard times, I, the smile, it totally displaced all of that depression. And what I, I learned was that you cannot simultaneously experience profound gratitude and depression at the same time. You, it's, it's, it's kind of got to be one or the other. And if, and if you choose gratitude, it pushes out all the rest of that stuff. Uh, and, it's, and that's a choice that we have the ability to make. 
Now that was a gift from the, ro the rock, from the boulder. Uh, uh, other gifts that came along over time uh, that showed me what I was capable of, that I survived for those six days when I thought in the beginning, oh, maybe two days before I run out of water, you just don't survive without water in the desert. Uh, that I think adversity in general shows us that we're all a lot more capable than what we believe ourselves to be. Uh, other gifts, uh, the, the idea that surrender can actually be an empowering component of, of, our, of our experience. By that fifth day that I was there, I understood if I drank my own urine, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, if, if I cut my arm off, or if, I, if I didn't, it wasn't really up to me. And by letting go, uh, finding surrender, there's there's an Alan Watts quote that uh, um, that I've, I've, I I really resonate with that he, he talks about the the more we can surrender to what is, the more powerful we become. Okay, I just want to repeat that for people. <laughs> this is amazing. This Alan Watts quote. The, can you repeat it? Yeah. The more we can surrender to what is, the more powerful we become. And it's the idea that, that in, in resisting reality, uh, we just frustrate ourselves, probably other people. We create a whole lot of, again, wasted effort. Uh, it, it's, it's by aligning ourselves with reality that that's where we, we can find peace. And in peace, we, we've, we've actually disempowered fear. Uh, we, in, in peace, we have disempowered uh, you know, anxiety or upset. Uh, we have regained our power. And, and so that choice in the, the final day that I was there, um, that, again, a gift of that boulder, because I'm pretty type A. I mean, you are maybe a lot of other folks. <laughs> a lot out of there listeners are probably too. are as well. And, uh, and you so, being type A meant? Well, just to be the opposite of that. You know, type A for me means controlling. And, and of course, the, the whole reason we know of type A is because in scientific studies, they determined that people who are really controlling also experience really high levels of stress. And that's not good for you. It causes ulcers and all the rest of it. You know, we've known this for 50 years. And, and so to find, like, to be your own opposite in, in a moment like that for me was the gift of just finding my peace, of, of being able to abide in this calm. That, that was how I endured for that, that last day that I was in the canyon. Again, going so just you know, quickly to, to recap some of these things, to, to find out what's important to you, to find out what you're capable of, of, of being your own opposite, all of these gifts that came from that boulder, by the time I actually amputated my arm, I'm smiling. I'm smiling because I'm going to get out of there. I'm going to get home to my mom. I'm going to get a hug. I'm going to see all those people I'd say goodbye to that I'm so grateful for. The possibilities were so much more powerful than the pain that I experienced. I was smiling as I cut my arm off. And that's, that's in a nutshell, what gratitude is about. That it's, it's the idea, yeah, okay, you, you, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that cut his arm off. But, but my experience was that I was the guy who was smiling when he cut his arm off. And I believe that that smile embodies this choice that we get to make when we encounter the boulders, the adversities, the challenges, the crises in our lives. If we can find our way to that smile, we have ultimate power in our lives. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much there. So what I want to explore is this idea that you so eloquently put together is this relationship between surrender and gratitude. So I want to know when you were in the Canyon, at what point did you surrender and how did that allow gratitude to come in? 
Yeah, it, it was it was a long way in. <laughs> and the, the good thing about my circumstance while I was there for those days is that uh, I had any number of times where I gave up and it's like, okay, and I'm still here. And where I got frustrated, depressed, and then I would get my camera out and it would lift me up again. Uh, that it was this it was this interplay uh, between whether it was frustration and gratitude, or between you know, the the control and the frustration again, or the surrender um, to find my way to peace. So that there are there are all of these choices that that I was making while I was there. And, and I guess I want to skip ahead to, to kind of the, the moment when I was free, uh, that, yeah, I was experiencing some of the most intense sensation that I've ever gone through in my life to sever the nerve that was inside of my arm. Uh, I, I felt that it felt like I thrust my arm into a cauldron of magma, that, that if you could imagine just vaporizing uh, part of your body in something so uh, so hot as, as the, it just... Yeah, it evaporates, right? Did you remain conscious? So, yeah, not only did I remain conscious, I never even said, ow, there were no tears. I was smiling. Again, by the time I opened my eyes after this, like a couple of very deep breaths. And again, this goes back to some of the other happiness habits that just by breathing deeply in in these moments, it re-regulates us. It it, it, uh, puts our, our nervous system back in a calm state. But when I opened my eyes after about 30 seconds from having severed that nerve, this was the crux of the amputation. I was beaming from ear to ear. It's like, you know, call, call the Guinness Book of World Records because I got, I got a candidate for you right here. Yeah, exactly. Here he is. You're listening to him, people. <laughs> and that, 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 that smile as I, I'm the final little bit of skin I had to cut through and my feet moved. I stepped out of my grave into my life again. Uh, the, it was it was an overwhelming moment, not because of the pain, but because of the possibility that when we choose to focus on something again, that that life what life has to offer for us. It's it's not just in this immediate moment, but everything that that could possibly come from this moment. What other choice but gratitude is there to to feel? Uh, like so euphorically filled up that yeah I I had just done something horrific if you wanted to look at it that way but my experience of it was that it was the most beautiful thing that I had ever been through in my life. In recognition of that beauty, then I got my camera out one last time before I left that spot, and I held it up in front of me. I took a photograph of. There was the bloody stump and the blood on the wall, and it was just good riddance. I was like, I couldn't really crop that out of the picture because what I really was doing was taking a picture of the boulder. And as I pushed the shutter button, I said, thank you out loud to the boulder for what it had given me. And again, to go back, it's, it's about that smile. It's about the lesson around surrender, about what's important to me, what is like, you know, I, for people who have children, like, you know, as I do today, like I, I go do this again. I cut my other hand off with an even bigger smile this time. That was on. one of my questions. Would yeah, you do it again? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, I, I, you know, you, you you asked him to, to use my story as, as an example of how to, to get to gratitude. And, and that's how I did it. It was by focusing on what was more important than the fear or the pain. 
which was the the possibility, it was the relationships, it was it was everything that was good. I, it it helped me to discover what I was truly made of, which really was why I was out there in the first place. For for an outdoor adventurer like myself at that time in my life, I was out to prove something about myself. Now, uh, whether I was trying to prove that to other people, maybe maybe that's not the most important goal. Proving something to myself, finding out it's more about asking the question and being open to the answer. And, and I think that that's, an, that's a powerful gift to receive. But all of this came from the boulder. By the time I walked out of there, as I say, I left something behind, but I hadn't lost anything uh, that I'd only gained from those six days. Yeah. And Aaron, let me just pause you right there in the middle of this so that we can go to break. But I want the listeners to hang on tight. We have Aaron Ralston here. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about how we can have uh, have the habit of gratitude in our daily lives for those of you that don't already practice this and how gratitude is the antidote to sadness. Okay. Hang on, you guys. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow. Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to our program. Here again is Lady Fuller. And we're back, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging in there. We have Aaron Ralston, the real-life hero of the 
Oscar-nominated movie, 127 Hours. And Aaron is here today to tell us about his story and also about the habit of gratitude. So I wanted to pick up a bit where we left off, which was you leaving the canyon, right? Being able to amputate your arm and walk out of the canyon. And can you just give us a description of sort of what happened then? So you leave the canyon, you said thank you to the rock, and... Uh, yeah, the, as as the story goes, it was it was hardly over <laughs> at that point. Yeah, the clock is ticking. I'm bleeding despite the tourniquet I've applied to myself. Uh, for every every couple steps that I took, I was losing a drip of blood, I, and I had seven and a half miles to hike in order to try to get back to my truck. And from my truck, I would have then about two hours of driving, as I, I anticipated. Uh, so I was looking at maybe as many as eight to ten hours between the moment I left the boulder and getting to definitive medical care. I knew the odds were stacked entirely against me. Uh, at that moment, I still didn't have any water uh, for everything that, that lay ahead. Uh, I did get to some water after I had to repel a 65-foot cliff uh, about a half an hour into my escape uh, that I was able to fill up uh, about three liters to take with me. I, I chugged about a gallon at that point. Uh, and, and I took a photograph of myself at the, at that, uh, next to this little pool of, of water at the bottom of the, the dry fall, this, the 65-foot cliff that I descended with my ropes. Uh, and, and that photograph, this selfie as it was, uh, I, I, I share about that because there is a moment in the, in the journey from a crisis uh, to, to gratitude for where our boulders can become our blessings that, that it's, a, it's enough along the way to just still be here, you know, to, to wake up uh, after a, a difficult day, another difficult night uh, and, and to still be in it, uh, that, that, you know, to be compassionate with yourself along the course of, of, of where, you know, whatever challenge that you might be facing uh, it's, it's not to push yourself to be further along than you are to be in a different place. There's, it's, there's plenty of days in my life uh, that I know, uh, yeah, it, this just wasn't my day today. And it seemed like there was a lot more that was hard than, than went well. Um, and still to be grateful that like, I, I have another chance. I have another opportunity here. Uh, the, the future is not yet written and that I'm, I'm doing what I can. And that's enough. Yeah, deep, so deep that, breath there. And that's right? enough, right? <laughs> this idea mm-hmm. of, you know, our burdens becoming our greatest strengths and and you and, and you know, epitomize that in every way, shape, and form. So I'm curious when you got to the water in this story, what did it taste like? Uh, if you can imagine what what uh, the canyons in Utah are really uh, like storm drains in the desert, uh, so the bottom of a of, of a cliff where the slot canyon is is channeled all of the maybe twenty square miles of effluent after one of those big thunderstorms, you know, flash flood might come through. It's it's pushing all manner of debris and dead things, of course, that are floating in that pool of water. Uh, it was it was little more than a like a hot tub size, um, <laughs> and it 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 did taste uh, it tasted relatively sweet. Uh, I actually have to say, partly like I think the like organic matter right. leaves and whatnot like decaying in there gave it almost like a tea flavor. There there's some like sugars that were, were pro- like <laughs> oh my goodness, 
yeah so it was it was surprisingly like a, kind of a, a port wine um, just, uh, <laughs> wow a little, port wine. A little viscous but, too. but grateful for the water right because it gave you added hydration to get to where yeah, you're as going. nasty as it was in a way it was uh it was a whole lot of not my own urine so that that's great yeah not, not your own urine <laughs> yeah, well, so, so then what happens yeah as, as it's step after step uh, mile after mile that, that i'm hiking out from there i uh, not knowing that uh that there may or may not be any any attempt to find me at this point uh, but but hoping and and i do come across some people that were uh, also down in in this lower section of the, the canyon, no longer a slot canyon. This is a box canyon where it's mm-hmm. 100 yards between the walls of the canyon and the walls are 400, 500 feet high. Uh, but there's some pictograph panels, uh, rock art that was left by ancient you know, civilizations that's been protected by the Park Service. And I get up to the point where some other people who were on a day hike, I encounter this family and they, they help me along uh, what is now the sixth mile, I'm heading into the seventh mile since I amputated my arm. It's been five hours already. I've been losing blood this whole time, almost two liters of blood, uh, which is four times what you're allowed to donate when you go in to do that. <laughs> as woozy as somebody might feel like as you get up out of that chair. Uh, and I haven't slept in six days. I've, I've lost almost 40 pounds uh, uh, and, and still just take one more step, one more step Aaron, until I can't. I'm having a heart attack. Uh, my my the blood loss, the dehydration, all of this so severe that I just don't have enough fluid in my body for my heart to pump and move and circulate oxygen to my brain. Uh, it's shutting down, and I realized this very same moment as I look to tell the dad of this family that's trying to help me escape uh, and move me along, uh, like I'm dying, and he's he's waving his arm over his head. And I look up and it's not just this racket in my chest, but and a helicopter flies overhead. He's signaling for it. It lands. And I mean, what are the chances that a helicopter was overhead? Well, and this is where it wasn't just a helicopter. What it really was, was my mom. <sighs> she got that phone call from my manager at work who you know, noticed that I hadn't shown up for the second day in a row after a five-day vacation, and that being on the fifth day that I was trapped. The synchronicity of this is that she then executes the most miraculous search and rescue mission that I've ever heard of. Nobody even knew what state I was in. I was living in Colorado at the time. I was actually in Utah where this happened. Uh, I was you know, hours and hours and hours away uh, from my truck still uh, it, where I was trapped. Um, but they did locate my vehicle out in the middle of the desert to kind of you know, find in the needle in the haystack, so to speak. And in the moments as I was amputating my arm, they deployed the helicopter out of the Salt Lake City Airport. It was still 200 miles away. It had to fly down. And as it's searching from down canyon up, and I'm hiking from up canyon down, we rendezvous in the, at, a, at a point where I had minutes left to live for blood loss and that helicopter had minutes left of fuel before it ran out and couldn't, couldn't uh, even fly to go refuel. Uh, when it did land and drop me off at the, in the Moab uh, hospital's front yard <laughs> on the lawn, uh, it, it couldn't take off again to go get more fuel. It had to wait for a fuel truck to come. And, um, and then they actually went and tried to like move the boulder and get my hand back. If I'd, if I'd known, I would have told him, don't bother. <laughs> it's, it's, did they, it's did they get your hand back? 
Well, it took it three days. Uh, it, so, you know, I wasn't able to move that rock. It took uh, what I was told, 13 men, uh, search and rescue equipment, helicopter uh, support, uh, lifting jacks and overhead crank winches, all this stuff in order to move that rock. They did get the remains back, cremated it and gave it right. back to me. And so this gets to another point of gratitude. When I finally was strong enough, six months later, I'd gone through all of my recovery and not to whitewash it. That was hard. Uh, I, I can glad. only imagine. I mean, we, I just want to pause for a second. Can yeah. we just go back to the fact that your mother was in a helicopter above you, mm-hmm. had minutes to live, and she didn't even know what state you were in. What are the statistical chances that that would occur? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's just it, within the the moments that it had to, I mean, that's, that's the, the fact that I walked into that, that opportunity as the helicopter arrived and, and that if it had been minutes one way or another, uh, I wasn't there. I bleed to death anyways. The helicopter isn't there. Can't evacuate me. Uh, there, it's just, it, that is the ultimate miracle of this. Um, and, and so by the time I was able to go back to the Canyon, uh, having regained my health, prosthetics that, that uh, I was I was fitted with that enabled me to continue climbing, skiing, mountaineering, climbing, you know, all of this, uh, that I was able to go back and I took the remains in my hand and I dumped them out on the boulder, standing in that spot with a prayer and, and tears, but they were tears of joy and of gratitude for what that boulder had given me. And the prayer that I said out loud as I scattered those ashes from the direction that I had come that that day that I became trapped as, as kind of symbolic of my past, uh, from where we've all come in our lives, the, to, to be grateful for, for what that past has, has given me uh, in, in recognition of the present moment of where I stood for those six days of, of the gifts that I received from that boulder and, and in anticipation of where I would go and what I would do with it how I would use these gifts in, in my future. And I sprinkled some ashes in the direction that I headed out from that mm-hmm. boulder down Canyon uh, that, that I asked myself to, to live in appreciation of those lessons, uh, to use that experience as a beacon in my life. And for all the times I've been back there, 13 times I've also stood in that place over these 18 years since it's happened. And I cry every time. But again, it's the tears of gratitude for what that place has given me. And it has been this beacon, this touchstone, <laughs> literally a touchstone because I, I put my hand on literally it, a touchstone. Rock. Yeah. And it reminds me of, of, of what's important, of what's possible, of what's extraordinary about life. And, and that, as I talk about it, I can't help but be filled up and reminded of this, even as, as you know, Sometimes, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a hard day. Sometimes it's a really hard day. Uh, legal battles, as as I've been through, or the the other kinds of, of stressors that are happening in the pandemic. And uh, I, I was on unemployment. You know, I, the 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 kinds of challenges that are there again. Uh, finding out my dad had five months to live, and 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 what are we going to do with that? How are we going to grow? So to, to share with people about when you're in that moment, where you're in that crisis, it's enough to make it to the next day. And after you've survived long enough to, to start moving towards thriving. And that's the transformation that's there to use what's been given and move towards 
forgiveness, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, to, to move towards uh, growth as hard as that can be, uh, so using something as a pivot point to, to change direction in your life, uh, to find uh, maybe some compassion for yourself, as, as that can be the, the, the step that has to happen for you to, to let go maybe of, of some other, uh, you know, some frustration that, that you're putting on yourself. Yeah. That process, and, and it can look a little different um, for, for who you are, or what you're dealing with, um, but it's, it's about what we do for ourselves to, to, to stay open-hearted. Mm, I love this concept, what we do for ourselves to stay open-hearted, which is a core tenet of gratitude, right? You have to open yeah. your heart to feel it. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, ultimately, it, it, even when you're dealing with those boulders, maybe the boulders are, uh, is a person uh, yeah. that, um, you know, maybe an ex, for example, and, and to be able to, to ultimately get to a place where you could say, you know, may you be well, may you be at peace and thank you. That, yeah. So everyone's that a teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and as much as you know, for, with my kids <laughs> on a daily basis, mm -hmm. that okay, I can be frustrated with their uh, incredible energy that leads to a lot of misbehavior, or if I can transform that and be grateful for their incredible energy, that that their spiritedness, their brightness, that 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 bestows this gift of our of our interaction in my life. Uh, so. It's just reframing. Um, so it's reframing. So gratitude's reframing. I love that concept. Yeah, that, that your boulder doesn't just have to be only a burden. It can also be a blessing. That a, a trauma doesn't have to only be a tragedy. It can also lead through transformation, even to triumph, as, as you were saying too. Uh, that these things are available for us. We have agency that we get to make choices around it. And as we, as, as we move towards gratitude for those things that are the most challenging parts of our life, that's how we meet the rest of our lives too. And I, I believe it's by being in touch with the relationships, the, the people who, who we love and who love us, that that's where we find the courage to do what is more important than you know, the pain, um, than the the desire that we might have to not change the, the, mm. the, perhaps the lack of motivation that feels like it's easier to just, Oh, I just want things to be the way they were. That's not how the universe works. Yeah. So what are some simple things that listeners can do to incorporate a gratitude practice? And, and these might even be things like, you know, to your point about when you're in the grave, thinking about the power of relationships in life, you know, calling two people a day and telling them they're grateful for them or texting them something they're gr grateful for. Yeah. And there's plenty, uh, I, I've, I've done a little bit of studying around positive psychology. There's so many little things that you can do to shift yourself towards happier. I, I think uh, one of your previous guests, you know, Gretchen Rubin was talking about, you know, it's not that happiness is a destination, but happier and, and moving along towards that. Uh, yeah, maybe it's writing down three things that went well today. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's oftentimes like we can get to the end of the day and just feel like, ah, everything went wrong. But what went well? There's, if, if you can 
focus on the things that went well, that can make that little bump. Uh, maybe to, to get back to a feeling of at least like neutrality. Okay, but on the balance, there, was, there, was, there were some things that, that went well. Uh, I, I, I believe in this concept of and. Uh, mm, that, and. Okay, Instead darkness. of... Go ahead. But yeah, it's, yeah that, that there's darkness in the world, that you might be experiencing a whole lot of that in a given day. And there's light in the world that there's beauty in the world, that there's something, uh, whether it's like just a few deep breaths and you can be grateful that you're still taking deep breaths. That, that again, that what that symbolically represents is an opportunity of we're still living this life right now. And what a gift that is. Where there is life, there is hope. Where there where is, there is life, there is hope. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Where there is breath, there is hope. I, I think that that's, uh, it's, it's an idea it it's an idea that when we when we reconnect in this you know this it's my daily practice of yoga is is a, is a deep part of this it's it's to get back to that place of openness and sometimes that openness is acknowledging yeah there's sadness in the world. and there's so much love too and i want to end there before we talk about what you're doing now cuz where there's sadness in the love in the world, there is love too. That's a beautiful place to sort of put a pin in it because I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. It's a completely riveting interview. And if, if you guys haven't, aren't on the edge of your seat like me with tears in your eyes, then you haven't been listening because this is amazing. But tell us about what's, what you're working on next, how people can find you, um, if they want you to speak at their corporate events. Um, tell us more. Oh, yeah, I, I appreciate that, Lee. Yeah, it, that, that speaking and, and using my story to help others is, is a huge part of my life, whether it's on a stage or sometimes it's uh, just being there for someone who's had a, a trauma in their life. Um, and that uh, I, I oftentimes, as I, I, I get to share my, my story, that someone will come up and I know that I was, I was there that day, uh, not just for the paycheck, which is also nice, but it was for, for what someone needed that maybe they're going through a difficult time uh, that they've lost someone close to them or that they're experiencing a, a disconnection, a depression, a divorce, any of the things um, that, that it helps people to, to do that reframing, uh, to not just see something as, as a loss, but to see like, well, but what have you gained in this, in this time? Um, so yeah, I, my, I have a website, AaronRalstonSpeaker.com. Uh, A-R-O-N, my first name was 1A, my, my joke, my parents, <laughs> back in the 70s, it was, you know, uh, there were rationing letters. So, yeah, there's sometimes so I, there's I, two A's or two R's or so good. So yeah, A-R-O-N. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, just... Kepler Speakers is, is my speakers bureau for okay. uh, groups that are interested to, to pick me up um, for events. And uh, yeah, that I, I mean, you mentioned about my book and about the film. And, uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm not going to cut off any more body parts. There's not going to be any sequels. <laughs> Let's hope. <here. laughs> yeah, uh, and I'm, you know, it's it's my practice to be grateful too. To to be grateful, like at this point, that there are events starting to happen again. That we're getting back to it. That there's concerts to go see. That uh, the relationships in my life that, that are there for me to 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 depend on when I need them and to be there for others. Um, you know, friends who are going through tough times in their marriages or with their uh, careers. It's, it's something uh, 
to, to be there for strangers sometimes too. Who to be there for strangers. Yeah. And I want to also just like what's resonating for me right now is that gratitude for listeners may not be as large as, you know, cutting off your arm under a boulder and, you know, (laughs) then having an Oscar winning movie uh, made about it or nominated movie, I should say, but it may just be small things, right? Like having food on your table or a warm cup of coffee or saying thank you to someone that holds the door for you walking out of the grocery store. It just... It's the small and the big, and it's our ability, as you've told us over this past hour, to reframe and see it. And it's our job to look for it, right? And that's yeah. that's so powerful. I think, you know, it's this sort of free mind shift that we're given the right to do and the ability to do. It's just a question of choice. Yeah. And and that choice can be very difficult. I want to acknowledge that. And, and so that's where I, I want to I want to encourage people to meet themselves where they are at, at, at the moment where you don't have to be further along on this on this process of like, oh, a trauma just happened, but I, I need to see this as the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And then I'm going to use this to help people like eh. You work on your recovery first. Uh, get get mm. to a place where you can you're taking care of yourself, and and then you can start to move towards how you could use this for others. Uh, and and that's that's that ultimate purpose. I think how how whatever comes to us that that eventually we do have the ability to use. Um, perhaps uh, for ourselves to remind us that, oh, I've been through hard things in the past. I can, get, I can move through this, that things aren't permanent, that, that this too shall pass, that there's still beauty and love in the world. And, and it's not, as, as I've come to learn, it, it's not just the will to live, uh, but it is the will to love that, that moves us forward in our lives, that, that propels us, that gives us something that's so much deeper and, and, and metaphysically more meaningful than just like getting by. But yeah. Well, thank you so much. I just want, I want to leave yeah. everybody with this concept of the will to love, right? That puts one foot in front of the other as we walk out to the helicopter with our moms waiting in it. Yeah. It's so amazing. So if you want to continue the conversation, please check out my Facebook group at Habits for Happiness. And remember everyone, the road to happiness is paved for with healthy habits. And please listen next week for another riveting conversation on a powerful habit that can change your life. Thank you, Aaron, for being here. It was an amazing hour. My pleasure, lady. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.